this is talking about our personal, our personal time. You've heard people talk about having a quiet time, spending time with Jesus. And that's what this is talking about. But I just want to share. I've been sharing some keys so that you can have a dynamic prayer time so that it's not just a boring, humdrum, waste of time kind of deal. And a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that prayer is boring. And then last week I was I corrected that and saying, you know, prayer is only boring when we're not connecting with God. And a lot of times we are praying, we're spending time going through the motions, but we're not connecting with God. And then therefore it is a boring time. You're basically just spending time with yourself. And that can be boring. And God wants us to connect with him. And I can promise you the king of the universe is not boring. He's not. I mean, if you just look at creation, those of you, those of you who are scientifically minded and you just think of how the body's created, the eyeball, the brain, creation, uh, the grand Canyon, those things like that. And, you know, the one who's in charge of that, who created that. And we want to think that he's boring. Are you kidding? And, you know, in Psalms, it talks about. I'm paraphrasing how God wants to share secrets with his kids. Think about that. God Almighty wants to share secrets with you. He wants to tell you things. That's how intimate he wants to be with you, with us. But what we have to do is we have to be intentional in setting aside time so that we can hear from him, so that we can engage with him. And I have nine keys and I've shared eight of them. And I'm briefly, if you haven't been here for the last two weeks, it's on the Internet. You can listen to it because I'm not going to go through it all today. But basically, uh, I'm going to go through them real quick. The first one, the first key is you have to have vision as to why you are doing this. You have to have a vision as to why you're going to spend time with God. And namely, that vision is out of the scripture to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. Everything we do ought to push us in that direction. And this is a practical way. Having a quiet time with Jesus will help you to love him with everything in you and love your neighbor as yourself. Because remember, Jesus said those two commandments. He gave the first one to love God with everything. And he said the second one is like it. So in other words, he's saying the second one is just as important. Sometimes we can think that, oh, um, all my time is just about God, about me and God. And that's where it starts. But it should definitely turn from you and God to you and other people. In other words, our love for God is reflected and measured by the way we love people. So if I love people a little bit, then it means I love God a little bit. Now, we can try to spiritualize it and say, oh, I love God a whole bunch. But is the love that you have for God is actually reflected in, the, in your love for people. And so our vision is we've got to have we have to have vision, and that is to love God with everything and love people. Number two, you have to covet and protect this relationship. There, there's the enemy of your soul. There's the enemy that would and there's distractions that would try to to crowd out your time so that you're not able to spend time with God. Number three, uh, time of day and length of time. You have to carve out time. And be definite about spending time with God. And you can't say, when I have time, I'll stop and have a quiet time. Because you'll never have time. Amen? We know how busy life is. And in our society, unfortunately, we are extremely busy and we're hurried. And that is one of the enemies of our relationship with God if we let it be that way. Number four, location. You need to find a place where you can get. Jesus talked about 
going into your inner closet. In other words, you need to be intentional and find a place that's going to be the place for you and Jesus to hang out. It can be in your car parked at the park. It can be in a, in a, in a study room or an empty bedroom or it can be in a treehouse in your backyard or it can be wherever you can be alone with God. Uninterrupted. Cell phones turned off. All that kind of stuff. Number five, his word needs to be a regular part of your diet. When you spend time with God, his word, his word needs to be your main course. And before you have your quiet time, make sure you you decide what am I going to read in the scripture so that when you get into your quiet time, you're not trying to figure out what you're going to read, but you can actually start reading. Number six, praise and worship. Psalms 100 verse four and five says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good and his loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. Psalm 34, 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Now, remember, we're talking about um, key elements for a dynamic quiet time. So these are things that that I'm encouraging you to include in your quiet time. But you don't have to do all these things every single time you get with God. But one thing I would encourage you to spend time, it says to enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. And why do we talk? Why does it say that? I believe it's so that it sets the atmosphere of faith so that you're going into God's presence with faith and not what we typically do is we go into his presence begging and and crying about our needs. Because what will happen is that will become your relationship with God. Every time you go to him, it's all about I need, I need, I need, I need. Help me, help me, help me, help me. And he does invite us to present our needs to him. But that cannot be the focus of our relationship. I mean, think about it, husbands or wives. If every time your spouse came to you, it was all about what they needed or wanted. How wonderful would that relationship be? Be awesome, wouldn't it? Not at all. But when your spouse wants to come with you and say, you know what? Have a seat, baby. I just want to talk. Let's just hang out. What's on your heart? I want to hear what you have to say. What are your dreams? That's the kind of relationship God wants us to have with him. Where we just sit down and say, God, I got all the time in the world. As long as it fits in 15 minutes. I just want to hear you, Father. You know, that's what we need to do. And then there's going to be time, you know, with with my with my wife, there's times when I, I tell her things I need or I need help with and this and that. And she does the same thing with me. And so, therefore, it's the same thing with God. There's time for that. But do not let that be the basis of your relationship. Number seven, praying in tongues. I strongly encourage you to do that. Paul, again, remember, we said Paul said that I thank God that I pray in tongues more than you all. There was a reason why Paul I believe he had a revelation that, that he didn't talk a lot about. I mean, there's there's glimpses. The Bible says that when you build when first uh, Corinthians 14 two, that when you pray in tongues, one, you're speaking mysteries to God. You're not speaking to man. And number two, you are building yourself up. He who prays in a tongue edifies himself, builds himself up. But he who prophesies edifies the church. And some people would say, well, that's why it's important to prophesy and not speak in tongues. But I say it's important to be built up so I can build you up. Amen. God has given us a way that we can build ourselves up. So therefore we can go around and build other people up. And how many of you know we need to be built up? Would you agree with that? I need to be built up. God has given me a way so that I can be built up. And we talked about that more detailed last week. You can listen to it on the Internet. Number eight. 
praying for your needs and desires. Matthew 7, 7, asking it will be given to you, seeking you will find, knocking it will be open to you. So he gives us the invitation to come to him and share with him the things that we need. And, he's, you know, we can pray for desires, too. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Delight yourself in the Lord. Psalms 37, 4 and 5. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do it. So the Bible does talk about God wanting to give us the desires of our heart. So he does give us that invitation to talk to him about those things. Okay, those are the eight. And number nine, which I want to get to today and and spend some time on. Number nine, daydreaming. Daydreaming. Some of you think, oh, yeah, I did it all the time in math class. You know, years ago, I was having a quiet time. I tried, I decided to try this thing out. But I was spending time with the Lord, and he spoke to me and said, I want you to start daydreaming. I said, Lord, I do that all the time. <laughs> he says, no, I'm talking about it a different way. And he started talking to me about daydreaming kingdom things. And I was like, what? I'm like, okay, is this you, Lord? Because unfortunately, because of the counterfeit, because of new age, because of all this negative stuff, we become afraid of the real thing that God has created, the thing that God has designed. And so when, when I started hearing daydreaming, I was immediately taken back like, wait a minute, that sounds kind of like, you know, lighting some candles and sitting in the corner meditating, home, you know, that kind of thing. And that was kind of the thing I was like, whoa, I don't know about that. I'm like, Lord, if this is you, how do I know this is you? And he told me to turn to Colossians chapter 3. Go ahead, go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 3. Chapter three, verse one, it says, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Reading a different translation. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits at God's right hand in the place of honor and power. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not think only about things down here on earth. And I looked up the Greek word to when it says uh, chapter or verse two, when it says set your mind, it means to direct one's mind to a thing to seek, to strive for. So right here, he's telling us to set our thinking on heavenly realities, heavenly things. And this is what the Lord was was sharing with me. And I said, well, Lord, if this is you, give me another verse because, you know, let everything be established by two or more witnesses. Then he gave me Psalms 19:14. It says, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Psalms chapter one. Verse two, it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law, he meditates day and night. 
He meditates. See, we're afraid of that word meditate because it sounds because it's been used by Eastern religions and all that kind of stuff. Well, just because it's used by other people doesn't mean that there's a reality that God has intended for us to tap into. He's the one in his word that tells us to meditate. Well, anyway, he was telling me about daydreaming. And he was saying, what I want you to do is set your mind on my kingdom realities. Joshua 1, 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. And meditate means to meditate, devise, muse, imagine. So what is daydreaming? My definition for it is intentionally setting your mind and imagination on kingdom things, thinking about and setting your affection on things in heaven where Christ is seated. So I'm intentionally setting my mind on kingdom things. Now, again, this is a part of this is an, uh, an element that you can add. I encourage you to add to your quiet time daydreaming. So how do you do this? What am I talking about? And I was asking the Lord, and he, I believe he was showing me. Now, of course, what I'm talking about right now is very subjective. When I say I believe the Lord was telling me this, so um, you can judge it the way you want. If what I say does not line up with Scripture, then throw it as far as you can away from me. But as I'm sharing these things, you know, test out the Scriptures yourself. Study the Word of God and see if what I'm saying is His Word or not. If it's not His Word, chunk it. If it's His Word, say, okay, Lord, what do I do with this? Amen? And that's why it's important. You know, one of the early keys is we have to spend time in his word daily. We have to know this word so that we'll know when somebody's telling us the truth or not. Because the Bible's clear when it says in the last days there's going to be false uh, prophets and false teachers teaching things that are contrary to God's word. And if you don't know the word, you can be easily deceived because they're going to say things that sounds good, that sounds enticing, inviting. And so we have to know God's word. So how do we do this? How do I how do I feel like the Lord's been showing me to do this? What I do is basically I get a worship CD and I used to do this, you know, with the many worship CDs we have. But a worship CD and I would close my eyes, let the music play in the background and just begin to think about heaven. Begin to daydream about basically imagining, imagining myself in heaven Standing before God and just worshiping him, just loving on him, things like that. And I began to change, you know, I'd use worship music, but it was a distraction because I'd want to sing the songs. And so, so what I do now, and I encourage you to do this, that's why I've been selling the instrumental CDs, instrumental worship, is I use instrumental worship. And so it's just uh, music playing. But what I begin to do is, is close my eyes and just think about Jesus and think about God. And the pictures and the images that, that are in Revelations about heaven, I'll think about those things, about lightning and thunder and, and 24 elders saying, holy, holy, holy. You know, I just imagine that, that environment, what it looks like. And it's just awesome. The Bible says that we have the mind of Christ. So I believe because we have his mind, that means we can have his thoughts. And what I believe happens, I remember asking the Lord, 
you know, actually, when he told me to do this, he didn't tell me why. It was two years later when the Lord told me why he wanted me to daydream. And I'll tell you that in a second. But what I began to do is I began to daydream. First, I started with daydreaming about kingdom reality as far as God and heaven. I'd be worshiping him and just praising him and see angels and all this kind of stuff. Now, this is my imagination, okay? This is my imagination that I'm setting my thoughts on these things. But what would begin to happen is my thoughts, my imagination would begin just to flow, just begin to go places. And the Lord began to tell me things. He would begin to teach me things in his word. My love for him began to intensify like nobody's business. I mean, I would find myself not wanting to stop, not wanting to leave his presence. There was a time when in my daydreaming, I was walking with Jesus. He and I were walking in this field and we're just talking. I was asking him questions and just talking. And then we'd sit down on a there was like a a um, a dock like a river or a lake or whatever, and there's a dock. And so we're just sitting down, we stick our feet in the water, and I'm just leaning close to him, just talking to him, listening to him talk. My imagination would go in that direction. And he'd tell me things, and my heart for him would just begin to grow and grow and grow. Now, some of you may not understand this. Probably none of you will, but... And I remember one time I was daydreaming and Jesus and I were throwing, we're playing catch with a football in a field. And I didn't know why. And it's funny because I didn't know why my imagination was going in this direction. I mean, Jesus and football. I mean, come on, right? But here I am playing catch with Jesus. And I didn't understand the significance of this. Until I started having thoughts of when I was a young child, I used to play football. And not that this is reality, what I'm about to say, but in my mind it was. I couldn't remember a time when my dad came to watch me play football. Now my thinking, I don't ever remember him being at a game. That, but that may not necessarily be true. You, know, you hear what I'm saying? He might have actually been. I just don't remember. And so it was a sad thing in me that my dad never came, as far as my thoughts were concerned, he came, never came to watch me play football. But here I am having this daydream about me and Jesus playing catch. And it's like he said to me, you remember when you played those football games? Yeah, I remember that. He said, I was there. And that did something to my heart that I can't explain. But there was healing that began to happen in my heart. You know, when there was an invitation earlier, when Candy shared that God wants to minister to people who've had challenging relationships with their earthly fathers, how God wants to fill that void. He wants to heal that. You know, I'm a product of divorce. My parents were divorced when I was 11. I didn't come from any abusive home or anything like that. I was very blessed, even though they ended up in divorce. Both of my parents were very good to me. I didn't see my father a lot. He lived in the same city. I didn't see him a lot. But he was a good man. He made sure our needs were taken care of. And to this day, me and my dad have a great relationship. But naturally speaking, there was a void there. And I didn't see him a lot. 
And Jesus has started filling that void, filling that, and just healing stuff that I didn't know was broke. And it's amazing out of just daydreaming how I'm going one direction, and I believe the Holy Spirit kind of guides me in a different direct- direction. All of a sudden, he starts bringing healing. Doesn't that sound kind of crazy? God is not boring, I promise you. And there would also be silly times, too. And I believe this is the Holy Spirit, too. I remember Jesus and I, I said, hey, Jesus, you know, we're standing there playing catch in the field. And to the left of me are a bunch of angels. I believe some of them are angels that that stay with me. That's just a personal thought. And there was just these angels. And I said, hey, Jesus, let's take them on. In other words, me and Jesus against all of them, right? And I remember this one angel looking at me. And again, this is my imagination, okay? One angel looking at me. And they're standing there real big, real strong, you know, swords on their side. I mean, just massive, strong, manly looking things. And I remember looking over and saying, hey, Jesus, let's take them on. And one of them looked at me and just like rolled his eyes at me like, yeah, like that's fair. <laughs> but I'd also find myself daydreaming as the Lord was teaching me. You know, the Bible talks about, Jesus said to his disciples, the things that you see me do, shall you do also. The miracles that you see me do, you shall do also, and greater things than these shall you do, because I go to the Father and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And we realize as Christians, the things that Jesus did were for our example. We're supposed to do those things too, right? I mean, there's plenty of scriptures that, that show that. So the Lord began to teach me to daydream about me doing the things that Jesus did in modern time. And so what a lot of my daydreaming daydreaming would begin to be is me imagining myself walking into places like Walmart. And seeing people with physical needs and approaching them and say, hey. What's going on with your leg or what's going on with your, why are you in the wheelchair or whatever the situation is? And they tell me their situation. I'd say, you know, I'm a Christian and I believe God would like to heal you right now. And I would see myself laying hands on them, raising them out of wheelchairs, opening up deaf ears, opening blind eyes. I would see myself laying hands on the sick and seeing them healed. I'd see myself casting demons out of people. I'd see myself coming upon car accident scenes. You know, it just happened. And there's dead bodies on the street. And Jesus said, one of the things we shall do is we shall raise the dead. How many of you know that's in the scriptures? And I see myself walking up to that person and saying, in the name of Jesus, I speak life into you and I command you to get up in Jesus' name. And they'd get up. But here's the interesting thing. In that daydream, here I am daydreaming, it's all made up. I can think what I want to think. I would find myself, especially in a situation that that was more risky, I would walk up to him, but I would find myself hesitating in fear, in a daydream. Now, isn't that strange? That's an iPhone. I recognize it. (laughs) But in a daydream, I'd find myself walking up to people, but I'd be hesitating. I'd be afraid. I would be holding back, and it would take me a while. It take me a series of daydreaming, 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 and the fear would begin to subside and the boldness would begin to take over. And then I can go in any situation and just boom, approach him. 
pray for him, lift him up or, or whatever the case was. And I thought it was weird. It's like, why in a daydream do I find myself afraid? Because that's what was really going on inside my soul. Fear. Fear of man. And what began to happen is the more I would daydream about these situations, the more easier they became. The more bold I was. And then here's what I began to notice in real life. Be walking in Walmart. I'd see a situation. And I would approach them. And I began to pray for the sick or people with needs in real life. I remember the time and I shared this story before. I remember the time when I was going to, excuse me, going to one of the uh, hotels here in town. Had to get something from one of the managers there. And I was walking in and on the outside, a lady was sitting down. Well, actually, she was walking first and then she was sitting down and she was in a lot of pain. And I was thinking, man, I'd love to do something about that. See, because I've been daydreaming about this kind of stuff. And then here's a lady, obviously, in some kind of physical problem. I said, boy, I'd like to do something about that. And the Holy Spirit would say, do something about it. Because I found that the Holy Spirit, Jesus, wants to do something about it. We're thinking, well, if it's his will, it is his will. He's demonstrated his will over and 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 over. He's demonstrated it. But yeah, it's like, well, if it's God's will. And a lot of times it's a cop out. Well, I don't know if it's God's will. So who am I to to be presumptuous that God wants to raise that person up and all that kind of stuff? And I know we've got to be careful with presumption and everything, but I think we hide behind it too often. But anyway, I saw this lady the desire rose up. I want to do something about it. Holy Spirit said, go ahead. So I couldn't hide behind the excuse of, well, Lord, it's probably not your will, so I can't do anything about it. He removed that excuse really fast. He said, do something about it. And I know what he meant. He was saying, I'm with you. I'm in you. Let's go. I'm waiting for you. So anyway, I approached this lady and I said, ma'am, what's going on? You seem to be in a lot of pain. And she wasn't a lot of pain. She had spinal stenosis. It took me like five days to be able to pronounce that word. Spinal stenosis. Bad situation. A lot of pain. She takes monthly injections, pain, you know, and however it works. And so she'd be out of pain for a while. But it was the month was over. The month had expired and she was going to see her doctor the next day. So she was in a lot of pain, couldn't sleep laying down, had to sleep in the chair, sitting up. And just movement just was excruciating pain. So she was sitting there in a lot of pain. And I said, ma'am, can I pray for you? I believe God wants to heal you. Can I lay hands on you? I can't remember all I said. And then she said, Oh, well, my priest prays for me, et cetera, et cetera. And she was basically she was no thank you kind of. And I was like, can I can I just, you know, just lay hands on you, pray for her. And then she said, after we were kind of going back and forth for maybe 30, 45 seconds, she said, oh, do you have the gift of touch? I said, yes, I have the gift of touch. <laughs> if that's what you want to call it. And then she said, oh, okay. I'm like, okay. So I said, okay, I'm going to pray for you. And then I want you to get up and we're going to, we're going to try it out. Okay? And she's like, yeah, yeah. What, you know, kind of like, she's just nodding her head. I found out later. She's just nodding her head. So I prayed for her. And the Holy Spirit said, deal with the spinal stenosis. In other words, it was a spirit. Spirit of infirmity called spinal stenosis. So in the name of Jesus, I take dominion over spinal stenosis, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Boom, be gone, blah, 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 whatever I prayed. And I said, okay, let's try it. 
And she looked like, what? I said, come on, let's get up. Let's walk. Let's go. And she's kind of like, "Uh uh-uh. I was like, come on, ma'am, let's go, you know. So finally I talked her into getting up, and then she started walking. I said, come on, turn around. Let's keep walking. And then she stopped. Her eyes popped open. Her mouth dropped open. And she said, the pain is gone. And I said, I know it's gone. Now here's, I said, I know it. And I just began to prophesy. And I just began to speak the word of the Lord. I don't remember what I said. And it just started coming out of me. I'm like, bobbity, 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 bobbity. It was in English, okay? I wouldn't speak in tongues. <laughs> but I began just to speak and declare the, the word of the Lord over this lady. And she was healed right there. And it amazed me. It's like, God said, do something about it. But see, it starting in, started in the daydreams. Doing the things that Jesus did. I, find my, I found myself becoming more and more bold. And then remember I said two years later is when the Lord told me why. Because he said, I want you to start doing this. And I didn't ask him why. I was like, is this you? Are you sure how? And all that. Well, he began to teach me how to do this. And I began to do it. And, just, and it was just wonderful. And then he told me why. He says, here's why. Because I noticed that the more I daydreamed, one, the more I fell in love with Jesus because I was thinking on him. I was thinking on God. I was thinking on heavenly things. I was thinking on kingdom things. I was beginning to do kingdom things. And he said, I'm making you into the man that you are in your daydreams. He's conforming me into the image of Christ. As a man thinks, so is he. And as I see myself, basically what he was doing is he was changing my image of me. He was encouraging me to see myself as he saw me, saw me that I saw myself doing the very things that Jesus was doing. And as I began to do those things, my image of myself began to change, and I began to do the very things that he told me I was supposed to be doing anyway. Make sense? And I've shared this story before, and I'm going to share it again, give you the abbreviated version. But it was another situation that where the boldness started coming out of me. I was spending time, I was at a hotel here in town, just setting aside some time for prayer and fasting, and just really aggressively going after God. And I was, I was in, well, like I said, one of the hotels. And as I went back to my car to get my stuff, I heard all this noise. And it was a scene like right out of a movie, one of those college movies where everybody's partying and drinking and cussing and all that kind of stuff. Where I look up and there's, a, there's a, all these athletes, they were a lacrosse team that came to, get, to come play OSU or something like that. It was a lacrosse. I don't know if it was a club or what. Does OSU have lacrosse club or team? Anyway, it was a lacrosse team here to play our team here at OSU. So they were up there. They were loud. They were cussing. They were drinking beer. I mean, they were just partying and getting after it. And when I was in the car and I was looking up at the situation and I thought, wow. And I was just thinking, I wonder if all the people who are staying in hotel rooms next to them are really appreciating the scene. You know, it was loud. It was late at night and it was loud. And then I had that thought rise up in me. Man, I'd love to do something. It's like, uh oh. The Holy Spirit said, go for it. And that fear just jumped all over. Are you kidding me? I can't. I'm by myself. Jesus sent them out two and two, Lord. There's no way you're going to send me up there by myself. You know, all these excuses started. I'm backtracking. So anyway, he was encouraging me. So I started praying in tongues. That's all I knew to do. I was praying hard, loud, and fast. Those three things, (laughs) hard, loud, and fast. But I was in my car, windows rolled up so nobody could hear me. And I'm praying because I'm scared. But I have a desire to do something. I have a desire to engage these people because God loves them. 
And I want to see the gospel impact them in a way that Jesus wants it to. And so anyway, I end up, all of a sudden, I lock in on a guy who had, who had a, uh, one of those boots that you can take off. He had some kind of a physical problem on his ankle or leg. And I zeroed in on him. I thought, that's the one. And so I went upstairs, walked all past these guys, and made my way all the way to this one guy who was on the other end. I said, hey, what's going on? He said, oh, nothing much. What's going, what's going on with you, man? I said, man, what's going on with your leg? And he said, it was an injury he had playing lacrosse. And so he was telling me all about it. And, and, you know, these guys were drinking beer and all this kind of stuff and cussing. They don't know who I am. And I said, I said, just drop this on somebody if you want to change the scene real quick. I said, hey, well, I'm a Christian. I'd, I'd like to pray for you. <laughs> the beer disappeared. The language changed. They became bilingual real quick. And I said, hey, I was wondering if I could pray for you, see if God would like to heal you, something like that. He's like, sure. By this time, it was just me and these two. It was him and another guy. There's you know, guys next to us. By this time, everybody was behind me. They were all surrounding us. I was like, oh, you know, my heart's starting to, starting to beat real fast. So anyway... So I prayed for him, prayed how I know how, prayed for him. And then I felt like the Holy Spirit told me to do something and I chickened out. I felt like he told me, because what I've learned to do is encourage people to try it out. You know, if you pray for their leg or whatever, see if it works. See if there's a difference. If they notice a little bit of difference, pray again and that kind of thing. Well, the Lord said, have him try out his leg. I said, "Uh uh-uh. And I said, when you get home... (laughs) See if there's a difference. He said, okay. It's like rats. To this day, I believe I would have seen the manifestation right there. But I'll never know. Because I chickened out. But here's what I noticed that happened. After we, you know, we prayed and high five and everybody's excited. I left and went to my room. And was kind of beating myself up over missing the opportunity. But then I thought, oh, wait a minute. So I wanted to go back to that guy. This is a little while. About 30 minutes maybe had passed. 20, 30 minutes had passed. I went back. I was going to ask him something else. And when I came back around the corner, the atmosphere had changed. Remember all this partying, loud, cussing, everything? It had totally changed, and it was dead quiet. And as I was walking past the rooms, the curtains were open. Guys were sitting down quietly talking to each other. I said, what is going on? And then I found the guy, talked to him and everything, and I said, hey, where'd everybody go? He said, oh, some of the guys who wanted to keep partying, they went to Joe's or went somewhere. And I thought, well, when I left, I was reflecting on it, I thought, the atmosphere changed. And what I felt like the Holy Spirit showed me was his kingdom environment was invited into a place of the enemy. And who won? He did. And I don't know the extent of the lives that were impacted. I don't know what happened. But what I was excited about was that I overcame the fear of man. And I said, Lord, I want to do something about this. And he said, do something. And with him, the scene was changed. And there's been many, many opportunities since then where I've taken the opportunity to do something. To do what Jesus would do. Seeing people get healed. I'll share one more. The last one, well, last one I'm going to share today. Shut down. It was a time when I was between meetings. I come back to the church. I left a meeting, and I was on my way to another one. But I had a few minutes, a few moments, some time. And I just want to be by myself. 
And um, I get a call from Ellen. She goes, are you here? I said, yeah, I'm here. She goes, there's a couple here to see you. It's like, rats. Because I want to be by myself. <laughs> it's like, rats. And um, I did not want to see anybody. My excuses were gone because they already knew I was here. I couldn't run out the back door. That'd be rude. But I was thinking all these thoughts. Man, I do not want to see anybody right now. Well, anyway, right when I, I come out of that room over there, there they are in the corner in the hallway. It's like, well, so all my escape is gone. So anyway, I said, hey, what's going on? We're talking and we go in the office. And I know this young man. Um, and they just begin to share heartbreaking stories. You know, he had come from a, a life of drugs and gangbang and all that kind of stuff, dealing and everything. And he was trying to live right. But he had just gotten laid off at his job from OSU because the students, students had just gotten out. And so they didn't, they didn't need him to work there anymore. So he was having a hard time finding a job. And so he was very tempted to go back into the way he knew how to make money. And then she was sharing her story, just got out of the hospital, you know, all these things and her mom. And it was just a, it was one of those situations. And it's like, man, this is rough. This is messed up. And all I was trying to think of is, OK, how do I get out of here? And the Holy Spirit began to ask me, he said, that conversation that you and, and so-and-so just had about 30 minutes ago or however long goes, do you really believe that? And then me and this brother were having lunch and we were talking about kingdom and, and impacting people's lives and allowing God to minister to people through us. And we're just preaching each other happy at the lunch table, getting all excited. And the Holy Spirit says, do you really believe that? And I was like, yeah. And he says, here you go. It's one thing to believe it when you're sitting over lunch talking, and it's another thing when it's facing you. It's right in front of you. And then, you know, am I thinking, you know, they're talking, I'm kind of zoned out, and I'm having this conversation with the Lord, and all of a sudden I said, okay, here we go. And, and I said, um, someone asked you something. Well, this man had just recommitted his life to the Lord, and the lady had recently gotten saved. And I said, you're a Christian, right? And he said, yes. I said, you know, the Bible says that you shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. I said, you know that? He said, no. And his, his girlfriend had explained the problem she was having and her Achilles or something with her knee or something. I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. And I had him. I said, you're going to lay hands on her, and God's going to heal her through you. And he just kind of looked at me. I said, put your hands on her knee. And so they're sitting there, and he's placing his hands on the knee. And I said, I'll repeat after me. He prayed what I prayed and all that kind of stuff. And I said, how is it? And she looked down at it, and her eyes got big, and she said, it's gone. She said, well, there's a little, I said, is it all gone or mostly gone? She goes, well, there's a little bit of pain left, probably like 10%. I told him, I said, pray again. Showed him how to do it. He prayed again. All the pain was gone. She had had this problem for 14 years or several years. And it was totally gone. And I didn't touch her at all. And so I'm looking at this guy. His eyes are huge. And he's looking at me. And I'm looking at him. And you could tell they're all, he's starting to tear up. And I said, who prayed for her? You or, you or me? He said, me. I said, I'm a preacher. You're not, right? He said, yeah. I said, see, it has nothing to do with that, does it? I said, it's about the fact that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit lives the same Holy Spirit in you that's the one in me. And then we begin to minister and encourage them and all that kind of stuff. And when they left, their whole situation, had, now the circumstances didn't change as far as all the financial stuff and all that kind of stuff. Their countenance and their attitude changed. And they left just happy as can be. And I could have missed that opportunity. Could have missed that opportunity. 
God wants us to begin to see ourselves the way he sees us. He wants to change our thinking. The Bible says that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we can know God's will. And the way our mind is transformed, our thinking has to be changed, number one, by his word. Number one reason, number one vehicle right here for our thinking to be changed. We have to spend time with him. Now, some of the things I've shared, you know, I'm talking about witnessing. I love to witness. I love to go out on the streets. I love the scary situations. I love to go in drug infested areas and that kind of thing. I love that kind of thing. It's it's God has put a grace on my life to seek that kind of stuff out. I like to go into the, the dangerous countries where it's illegal to be Christians. Ask Lisa. She'll tell me tell you. I love that kind of thing. I'm careful because I have kids and a wife. Now I've got to be careful where I go. But every single one of us in here has a calling to make a difference in this world, has a calling to make a difference in people's lives. And it's not just the way that it looks through how I explained it. Some of you, God has called to be businessmen or women. He has called you to bring and invite his kingdom into your business, into your entrepreneurship. Okay, I messed up that word. You think, let's see, you're an entrepreneur, you're a business-minded person. God has designed you that way. Don't be ashamed of that. He wants you to invite his kingdom into that situation. He wants you to make business deals like nobody's business so that he can, he can entrust you with finances and resources to, to fund the kingdom. You see what I'm saying? And what can happen is you can think, we can think that, all kingdom activity looks a certain way. It looks like preaching, standing up front, preaching, or laying hands on the sick. Yes, that's part of it. Some of you are, are, are uh, gifted in designing and, and, and creativity and all kinds of things. The point I'm trying to make is, is when you spend time with the Lord and you allow Him and you, you daydream and let His, let His thinking Change your thinking and move you in a direction he wants you to go. He's going to begin to give you vision as to how he wants to use you. And it's not going to necessarily be traditional ways. We think that if you're going to serve God for real, you're either going to be a preacher, a missionary, a youth pastor, or a worship leader, or, you know, the traditional things. But there are hundreds and thousands of other ministry opportunities that God has for you. And he wants to show you those things. He wants to show you ways to impact people's lives, but that'll be in a way that you take joy in it. You know, making blankets for people who are cold and hungry and homeless, that's kingdom business. You know what I'm saying? And so what we need to do is we need to allow the Holy Spirit, we need to invite him and let him help our thinking so we can be set free from the religious trappings and a religious the religiosity and let him do wonderful things in our lives would you stand with me now, i felt like i struggled sharing this because i don't you know, this daydreaming it's kind of a different concept it's may sound kind of bizarre crazy but i trust that the holy spirit will help you Grab a hold of something that you're able to use to move closer to him. 
And I would encourage you to give this a try. You know what I've been daydreaming recently is I'll see Wayne and Nancy laying hands on sick people and them getting healed. I was daydreaming about people in this congregation getting healed of diseases and sicknesses that they've carried for a long time. I'm daydreaming about people that I know who are having sleeping disorders, not able to get a good night's sleep, that they sleep like a baby. Night after night after night after night after night. So I daydream about these things. And mainly about you moving in the fullness that God has for you. It may not look like what I do. Probably won't for most of you. Let's pray. Lord, I do thank you that I believe you have extended wonderful grace towards us. That will allow us to spend time with you. Lord, I thank you for putting that hunger in our hearts. That makes us want to just set aside our schedules to be with you. And I pray that we would embrace this and not let it be just another religious thing. But it will be something that will just strengthen and cause our relationship with you to blossom. I pray, Father, that from this day forward, we will all be on the trek to draw closer to you and to begin to see ourselves through your eyes. That we will allow you to free us from the bondages, from the stuff that's holding us back, the hurt, the heartbreak, and allow you to heal us, Father. We give you honor and praise and we thank you for this wonderful day and we thank you for you and your presence. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Amen.